And uh, we've kind of been stuck on chapter 3 here for a few weeks, and, uh, but I'll tell you, the Word of God has been awesome. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, I want to encourage you to, there's ones on the back table. You're going to need that in just a second. We'll be reading uh, from 1 Peter chapter 3. We've been, this morning we're going to talk about living in right relationships. But before we do that, I want to look back uh, over the last couple weeks. We've been talking about submitting to our spouses and uh, boy, we've had some fun with that. If you weren't here over the last couple of weeks, I want to encourage you to go online and listen and uh, just ask God to work on your heart. We talked about that wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. But on the flip side, the same is true, that husbands, we are to submit to our wives. And we talked about the, the fact that uh, in order to do that, we, the reason we do that is primarily to win a spouse that hasn't given their heart to the Lord, to win them to Christ. But then we also said that there's a secondary application as well, that as we submit to our spouse, it is an agent of change. It gives an avenue, uh, a good possibility to see change in that person's lives. And ladies, I hate to say it, but it, we don't win, we don't submit uh, with our words. It says not by words, but instead we should be submissive, highlighting your inner beauty. What God has done on the inside. And then men, we talked about this last week, that men, we are to submit by learning to live with our spouses, live with our wives. And when we looked at that word live with, it was a personal, intimate, even had a sexual uh, connotation that we are to live, be close, intimate, to know our wives. And then we are also, we submit by honoring our wives. We give them top priority before anything else other than our relationship with God, that we are to, to love and to honor our wives. Now, we talked about this, and we understand that this is not something that naturally comes to men. We also talked that, that wives, it is not just, it's not natural that we want to just automatically submit. It's kind of like, how many have ever been out on a golf course and uh, swung a golf club before? Anyone ever done that before? You know, the first time you swing a golf club, how many would agree that, you know, if you played baseball and you try to swing a golf club like a baseball, you know, that's wrong, but it's awkward. You know, they have you kind of tie your fingers together and you're down here and you're, you're straight in your back. And I'm not, a, I'm not a golfer, but, you know, I had lessons in college and I'm like, that just does not feel right. Then you got to come back, keep your elbows straight, you're twisting. It's just not natural. And the same is true when we read these words to submit. It's like, ah, but the more you do it, the better you get with a golf swing, if you're doing it right, <laughs> right? And the same is true. Husbands, wives, uh, those, that are, those of us that are not in relationship, there's application there as well. Well, today we're going to sum up these ideas in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, kind of broaden our scope, if, if I could say that, in looking at our relationships, the relationships that we have in our lives, the people we're sitting next to this morning, the people we came to church with this morning, if that applies, people we rub shoulders with through the week, that we want to live in right relationships with others. And we're going to see why it's so important, because the stakes are so high, and, uh, and we're going to look at that. So I want you to look with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, and uh, I want you to stand with me as we read God's Word. And again, if you don't have a copy, there may be a couple more copies on the back. Uh, grab those, utilize those. It's important that you follow along. 
in 1 Peter chapter 3, as we highlight honor God's word, starting in verse number 8. And everyone say the first word with me. It says, finally. Now, that's a good word because after today, we're going to kind of move beyond this submission idea, okay? But it says, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Now, if you are uh, marking up your Bible at all, I want you to circle the word humble in your Bible, and we're going to talk about that specifically, all right? Verse 9, do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult, but instead blessing, because this is what you are called, uh, what this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Verse 13, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? The answer obviously is no one. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for their hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that, that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Lord, I pray this morning that these simple words would just come alive in this place. Lord, that you would help me to be able to share from, the, from my heart, but Lord, more important, that your heart would uh, just be revealed in your word this morning. And God, we thank you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. You know, God's word talks a lot about relationships, doesn't it? In Scripture, we see at different places that we're supposed to keep short accounts with people. We learned about taking the high road recently uh, in 1 Peter. We learned to love your neighbor, to pray for our enemies. The Ten Commandments even are full of relationship pieces. Do not steal, do not cheat, um, don't lie, don't covet. And I'll tell you, when I look at Scripture... And I've, grew, I've grown up in church. I understand. I, I've read through the Bible on several occasions. I'm reading through it again this year. And, um, you know, the challenge for me is not to know what the Bible says, but to allow what God's Word says to affect me on a day-to-day -day basis. And, you know, when we look at Peter and his life, as we're studying 1 Peter, looking through and looking at his life, Eventually, Peter understood and took God's word to heart, and we saw a transformation in Peter's life. And I am desiring that kind of a transportation or transformation in my life. The idea that I can make it, I can, I can take God's word, apply it to my life, and it will make an impact. It will be a benefit to me. And my prayer is that for each of us, that'll be the case. Now, when we read 1 Peter, I'm wondering, can we relate to what the early audience, the early church would have heard when they read this letter? We've talked about this a little bit, but let me just review for those that are new and those that have missed a few weeks because of vacation. We understand that the church was ex uh, under extreme persecution. 
In fact, the church had scattered across the region, and they were ready to give up. They thought that God had abandoned them. They thought that there was no hope, and they were, they were wandering. They were floundering. They were dealing with criticism from the outside, those from outside the church that, that were saying, you know, you're crazy. Why would you live? Or, you know, why would you give your life for this? And then even from the inside of the church, the Christians among themselves, they're saying, ah, I'm not sure this is what I want. I know I gave my heart to the Lord. But, and so there, there's a struggle there. And especially when we looked at 1 Peter chapter 3, the first part, there obviously were spouses, marriages that were divided, where one party had given their heart to the Lord, but the other hadn't. And you can just imagine the fireworks in relationship at that point. There were antagonists. They're, they were struggling to live in right relationships. And you know, as I look at our lives, the circumstance that we might be in, you know, is there persecution? Is there suffering? I don't know. Although Rich said the other, the other day, we were talking about this. He said, Pastor, you know, you're talking about persecution. You're talking about suffering. Go ahead, stand up, Rich, and tell him what you said. I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, that's what I thought you said, but I must have, I thought, well, that certainly it wasn't what he said. That was what he said. Shoot. That you guys suffer every week listening to me go on, and so now I will go for another hour and a half and <laughs> lock those doors. <laughs> and uh, lunch, what's lunch when we can be in God's presence reading? In fact, let's turn to Genesis and read through the Bible this morning. No, just kidding. But for sure, okay, we may not be persecuted in the same sense that the early church was. We may not suffer in the same way, but we do uh, have relationship issues. All of us do. There are antagonists that come along in our paths. We deal with criticism. We deal with broken relationships, whether it's personally within marriages or with, within the kids. Uh, you know, there's a battle sometimes raising our kids. Or you may be a student here and you're saying, man, there's a battle at home. You know, my parents don't get me. And there's, there may be broken relationship within the extended family. How many know someone that, you know, in your, in your family or, or an extended family that you, maybe you haven't talked to or, or maybe a mom hasn't talked to the daughter or the husband may haven't talked to the grandpa in years and there's these relationship issues. Have we given up on relationships? Maybe you're ready to give up, ready to throw in the towel. I would say, do we have that luxury? Can we give up on the relationships that are closest to us? I think that God's word, especially these verses that we just read, talk a lot about living in right relationships. And, uh, and so I want to look at these specifically. We want to look at the context of what was written here. 1 Peter chapter 3. We know that Peter has been giving the early church kind of a shot in the arm saying, look, you can make it. Don't give up. He talks a lot about submission, and uh, starting in chapter 2, verse 13, and, and that, that kind of carries through here to what we read this morning. But the idea, the primary reason that we are to submit is to win the lost, to win others around us. We submit to our authorities so we can win them. We submit to our, a slave, an employment situation. And then, of course, Jesus was the example. And why did Jesus submit? Why did he submit to the Father's will going to the cross for us? For our behalf. What was on Jesus' mind? 
people, you, me, those that we rub shoulders with, Christ loved them enough that he came to this earth. And then we come to this section here, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, and it says, finally. And he's summing up, broadening the, the horizon. And I just want you to know that when we look at these verses, it's easy to kind of read them, to understand them. But we have to know that each and every one of us have a responsibility to lead others to Christ. Let me say that again. We have a responsibility to lead others to Christ. We cannot pass the buck on this one. But it starts with right relationships. Relationships with the world, with our family, with friends, at work, at school. And I believe that God kind of showed me three areas that are really important. And I hope you're taking notes on the back of your bulletin or find a spot in your Bible to do it. The first area is that we need to be obedient. In fact, let me just give you the three and you'll know when I'm getting close to finishing. We want to first be obedient. The second thing, we want to be confident, be confident. And then the third thing is that we want to be ready if we want to live in right relationships. When we look at the idea of living in right relationships and being obedient, the first two verses here say a whole lot. Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. And I ask you to circle that word humble or kind of highlight that in your Bible. And we're, we're going to kind of focus on that word. But then it says, do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult, but with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Now, this is pretty interesting. I wanted to look at this word humility, to be humble and what that means, and how it is seen in each of these other words. To be humble, or to exhibit the, the quality of humility in your life, what do you have to do? You put someone else above yourself. You put someone else above yourself. Humility. Now, when we look at this, it says to live in harmony, to be like-minded, to think the same way. Choosing not to be in conflict with someone would be to live in harmony. And how many know that if you're going to do that, it takes humility. It takes a choice to be humble, to live in harmony with others. The second one there is, is a command. It's a series of command here that we are to obey. It says to be sympathetic. If we're going to live in right relationship with someone else, we need to learn to be sympathetic, to suffer with someone, to feel what someone else feels. And again, it's a choice that we have. If we are going to have the capacity or the willingness to be sympathetic, it takes humility in our lives. The third one there says to love as brothers. Love as brothers. A brotherly love. And we see this a whole lot in Scripture. And when we talk about brotherly love, it's not just talking about our physical brother or our sister. It is expanded to everyone. We are to love. In fact, there, there's a great story. Um, Jesus tells, he's saying, look, who's your neighbor? Who, who should we love? Who should we take care of? Um, because the scripture is to love God and love others, right? We, we see that in our, in our mission statement here, to love God, love others, love the world. How do we do that? Well, there's a story, the Good Samaritan. And this, the neat thing about this story, and I know most of you know it, is that this Samaritan was an outcast. 
And this Jew was, was broken down, was, was beat up, and different people walked by, didn't take care. But it was a Samaritan that loved. And the idea is that we are to love even beyond the, where, where we would feel comfortable. And if we're going to love God, if we're going to love people, it takes humility. It's a choice. The next thing it says there in, in 1 Peter chapter uh, 3, verse 8, it says to be compassionate, to be physically moved, to have this in, your, in the pit of your stomach feeling. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. We see a great uh, example of this. Of course, Jesus' example for each of these, these things, he modeled these things well. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, uh, I'll just start in 35, it says, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Everyone say amen to that. Then it says, he, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. He had compassion. In the pit of Jesus' stomach, he felt what they felt. And it describes that. It says he felt compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. And then he, he continues and talks to his disciples. But the idea is that he felt deeply. And again, if you're going to put someone else above yourself, whether it's outside or inside the church, we need to take Jesus' example. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. 2. Philippians chapter 2, we see another portion of scripture. It says, if any, or if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and purpose. There's a lot of similarities from there to 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 8 we see. But then verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. And then it goes on and it describes the attitude of Christ. Christ was our perfect example of humility, giving it up. Now, is it hard to be humble? I think it is. Why is it so hard to be humble? Well, because other people are selfish. Other people are mean sometimes. Sometimes other people are arrogant, rude, insulting, ugly, right? Yeah. Sometimes we're that way. And we, sometimes we need an extra dose of humility to help us along. Sometimes we think of ourselves more highly than we ought. We look at ourselves and we, and we might look down on someone else's in, in a different situation. And I'll just challenge us that it's out of humility that we begin to develop right relationship. There's another area. Uh, it says uh, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, or verse 9, it says, he continues his thought um, about being, hum being humble. It takes humility to not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Now, you've got to imagine the early church. They were suffering. They were wanting to fight. They wanted to, to go after those that were, were in their face and struggling for their faith, right? But P Peter's saying, look, don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but instead with blessing. 
Be humble. Put someone else in front of yourself. Now, I looked up this word, uh, blessing, this week. The word comes from a word called, uh, and I'll butcher this, but eulogeo, uh, um, maybe? I don't know. I wrote it down, but it's hard to say. But it comes from the word where we would have the word where we give a eulogy. How many have ever been to a, a funeral, a, you know, a remembrance service, and there's a eulogy? What is a eulogy? It's saying something nice about someone else, finding something good to say. And it says right here, be a blessing. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't repay insult for insult. Instead, you could put in there, eulogize someone else. <laughs> find something nice to say. And I did find, uh, I was at one one funeral that, that someone did a really good job at this. And it was at Jessica's grandma's, remember? Uh-oh, I got the look. Can I share this real quick? She was a wonderful woman, I, I'm sure, and I'm eulogizing her now. I'm finding something nice to say. But she lived a rough life. And, uh, you know, and didn't, you know, find herself in church a whole lot. And, you know, she, you know just, just she had, you know, an interesting life. But this pastor was just, you know, waxing eloquently about this woman that he didn't really even know. And we're looking at each other like, are, are they talking about Grandma Hicks? <laughs> but they found something good to say. And I want to challenge us that there are times in our lives, in relationship, especially when things are hard, especially when we're suffering, maybe an antagonist is really getting to you, find something nice to say about someone else. And just see what it does in your spirit. <laughs> and let God work. And I'm not trying to be fake. You don't find something that's, you know, you know totally, uh, you know, you're, you're just a wonderful, you know, person. But find something. I was thinking about it. And uh, I was trying to think of an example. You know, if someone was, you know, just in your face and insulting you and, uh, you know, just letting you know exactly how they feel, you know, just, you know, you can just imagine, you know, the confrontation you know, how could you eulogize them? How could you, you know, say something, you know, nice, find something nice to say, to be a blessing? You know, you could just say something simple like, boy, I really appreciate you sharing your heart with me in this moment. <laughs> you know, someone say something at least like that. And, uh, you know, and let, instead of just, you know, insult for insult, coming back, letting our tongues kind of run wild, which would be our natural inclination. And the cool thing is, is that it says, be a blessing and you will get a blessing, and we see that in verses 10 and 11, all right? It says, for whoever would love life and see good days, how many would like that to happen, yeah, right? It says, you must keep your tongue from evil and your, his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Verse 12 says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, how many would love God to be watching over you and watching over your circumstance, right? On the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So the point is here, and what I want you to see, is that if we are to live in right relationships with others, in order, first of all, uh, and we'll come to this, is that we want to have right relationships so we can win them to Christ. 
but then also to live together in harmony and unity with compassion and sympathy in each of these things. But the, the result of that is that we will have an opportunity to win them for the Lord. So we want to be obedient in the, in the, the series of commands there, to be obedient. The second thing comes in the next two verses, verses 13 and 14. Verse 13 says, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. What did it say? <laughs> I close it. To, do not be frightened, period. That's what I thought. <laughs> Don't be frightened. Now, we can be obedient and listen to Christ and to Jesus' instructions, to God's word in our lives to be in right relationship. We can, we can be humble. We can be sympathetic. We can love as brothers. And there are still times that relationships still don't go right. Am I right? There's times that there's still a strain. There are times when things just don't pan out the way we think they should. That maybe there's an antagonist that we're dealing with in our lives or someone that just won't let something go. And you're saying, man, I've done these things. I've tried to give them the benefit of the doubt. I've been sympathetic. I've been compassionate. I've tried to be humble. And it's still not working. The second thing I want you to know to live in right relationships is to be confident. First is to be obedient, but be confident. And you say, well, what were we confident in? We need to be, be confident that we are doing the right thing. We're trusting God's word. We're putting our faith in God. And even though that the circumstances may seem like they're not coming together like we would like, we know without a shadow of a doubt that we are doing what God has called us to do. Faith in God. Be confident. And you know, I, when I think about confidence in Christ, this applies to all areas of our lives. This morning in the word of, uh, that, the, that the Lord gave us in worship, it talked about, uh, about using our gifts, being confident in that. And we need to be confident in the gifts that God gives us. We need to be confident in forgiveness, that we can forgive and be forgiven. We need confidence in our giving, that look, we can give to the Lord knowing that he's going to do more, uh, or we're able to do more with 90% than with 100%. And certainly, we can be confident when God is directing our lives, when he's putting ideas, direction, when we consider God's will for our lives, those still small whispers that we hear of direction, we can be confident in those. And I believe to have right relationships with others, even when things aren't going right, we need to be confident that we can turn to God's word and strive continually to be humble, to live in harmony, to be sympathetic, to love his brothers, to be compassionate, so on and so forth. So we've talked about being obedient, being confident. The third thing, and those that were paying attention, that means we're getting close, right? The third thing is that we need to be ready in our relationships. And this really brings us back to the context, the original of what, what is being said here. We need to be ready 
to be able to lead someone else to the Lord. Now, I want you to know, let's, well, let's look at the verses first. Um, let's, let's read those again just to refresh our memory. Verse 15, 16, and 17 says, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone or everyone who asks you to give the reason for your hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, or it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And we've looked at these verses before, but I want you to know that we need to be ready to give an account for what uh, the hope that we have inside of us. Now, if we're not obedient in some of the things, the commands, that list of commands to be humble and live in harmony, be sympathetic, so on and so forth, if we're not these things, how many know you will not be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have in Christ? If you are not living in right relationship with someone, if there's a strain and then there's an opportunity to share, most likely, I know I would, I'm going to back away and miss an opportunity. And so the challenge is, is that we need to be ready to live in right relationships. Jesus wants us to be ready to put our lives on display, that we would live in such a way that others would see and wonder, be curious about the hope that we have. Our lives should catch the attention of unbelievers. Does that make sense? So as we live with those around us that haven't given their hearts to the Lord, especially in hard times, they're going to say, what is different about you? What was it? Where, you know, there's something different about your family. And I believe it could be all encompassed with the idea that we should be known for the love that we have, the love for God, of course, but then our love for others in relationship. This morning, my prayer has been that this would hit home. There are probably, with the group that we have today, and I know some situations, but I don't know every situation, but there are homes where within the home, there is tension and stress between husband and wife. We can go back and look at the being submissive, but I want you to just focus on this list of commands that you are to be obedient, to be humble, to be sympathetic, to love, to be compassionate. Let these virtues boil up with inside you. In some of your homes, there are, there's struggle in raising your kids. In some of the kids that are sitting here, you're saying, man, if you only knew the struggle, the, the tension, the, the, the problems that we have in our home. It's, it, and, I, and I can imagine at work, at school, with family, here among us, where does it hit home? You are called, each and every one of us are called to be obedient, to be humble, to be confident, and to be ready, to give a reason for the hope that we have. And I want you to know that this is, uh, this is something that we need to really pay attention to. There's something I read this week, and I, I printed it off. 
the Institute of American Church Growth found that 75 to 90% of all new believers came to Christ because of a friend or an acquaintance, because of a right relationship that they had in their life. Does that make sense? So it says here, 75 to 90% of all new believers explained that, or came to Christ because of a friend or acquaintance who explained the gospel to them on a one-to-one basis. What that means is that there was a relationship that was built, and at the right time, they were ready to share the hope that they had in salvation. Another little statistic here says that only 17% of conversions come through events, and that would include church Sunday morning services, uh, Billy Graham-type crusades, Friendship Sundays, etc. 17% of people are brought to faith and we're believing that even today, that, that we'll be part of that 17%, and hopefully that'll be higher here. But then there's another statistic that I found, same article from this guy, um, Andy Lappins from Transpired Ministries. He quotes a guy named Bill Bright. Anyone heard of Bill Bright? Sure, the founder of uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. He estimates, Bill Bright does, that only 2% of Christians witness faithfully. 2% of Christians witness faithfully. Now, we've got probably close to 100 people here. Two. That means George and Linda here. <laughs> Out of, the rest of us, we don't take regular opportunities. That's mind-boggling. That should not be. And when we read here in 1 Peter that we are to, to be in right relationships, to live in right relationships, why? It's because we have a responsibility to share our faith with others. And it starts with our relationships. If, we're, if our relationships are broken, we're going to miss those opportunities. So this morning, I want you to consider two people in your life for the next few moments. And we'll be wrapping up here in just a second. The first is I want you to identify someone in your life that is an unbeliever, as far as you know, that they have not given their hearts to the Lord. If you've got a pen, you might want to write their name down. If not, just lodge their name in your head. It could be a, a family member. It could be a neighbor, extended family, someone you work with. Just one person that you know that is an unbeliever, okay? All right? And in just a moment, we're going to pray for them. In worship team, we're going to ask that you would come back here in just a moment to identify an unbeliever. And I want you to consider these three things, to be obedient, to be confident, and to be ready. And where does that challenge you today? Maybe you need a little dose of humility or compassion towards that individual. Maybe you need a, uh, you know, to be confident that, man, I've tried and tried and tried, but to be confident that God is going to help you. You're doing the right thing. Maybe you need a dose of to be ready, to give a little extra boldness to share when that time hits. And so we have this unbeliever in our mind. Now I want to kind of bring it to a, a secondary application because I, I believe that, first of all, we can probably all identify an unbeliever in our lives. 
that we can, we can be reaching, that we want to be in right relationships with that person so we could uh, see them come to the Lord, right? But secondly, I want you to consider someone in your life where the relationship, if you were to describe it, would be either broken or strained, that there would be some issues. Maybe it's a person that is, you know, the antagonist in your life. A relationship in your life that is not 100%. Okay? So we've got this unbeliever, right? And we're, we're going to pray for them. But then I want you to kind of bring it home uh, as well to, to someone in your life where there's a relationship. And it could be your spouse. It could be your kids. It could be someone you work with. Someone in your neighborhood. Someone where there's a relationship that's strained, that's torn. And I want you to consider these things as well. To be obedient, to be confident, and to be ready. Because we have a responsibility. The stakes are too high to just sweep this one under the carpet. You can do it. You can be confident. You can be ready. You can be obedient and let uh, humility, putting someone above yourself, to live in harmony, be sympathetic, love as brothers, to be compassionate. And I believe that's what we're called to do each and every one of us. We are called to be different, right? To be different. And God's ways are sometimes hard ways, but they're the right way. Our lives are being watched, church. Our example, our testimony, our witness is our responsibility. And this morning, as the worship team comes, I want, I want us to consider these two individuals in our lives. First, the unbeliever, the one that's away from Christ, and how can we uh, get to know them? How can we win them? But then also the person in our lives, that there's a broken, shattered, strained relationship. How does God's word this morning speak to us today? I say these things because I know that we can make a difference. We can see change in our lives. We can see change in the people's lives around us. There is hope in living in right relationships. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes this morning. As we close these next couple moments, I know you have these two people in your mind, but I want you to put those aside for a second, and I want you just to look at your own heart this morning. And if you're here today and you have never given your heart to Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. Or maybe you've given your heart to the Lord, but man, it's, you, it's been a long time since you've uh, turned your heart to Jesus and followed his ways. And maybe you feel like you're away from the Lord, maybe in a backslidden state. If that's you this morning, whether you've never given your heart to the Lord or you need to get your heart right with the Lord again, I want you just to slip up your hand right where you are. We're going to pray for you first this morning. Yeah, sure. Who else here this morning would be honest and say, that's me? Yep, thanks, sure. Three, four, good. Who else this morning would say, man, if I'm honest, I need God to touch? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me just 
One of our board members, he's vacationing. He's up in uh, Mackinac Island. He called me this morning, Dennis Hardy. Some of you guys know him. And first he was asking about the Mockermans, saying, hey, how, how's that going? And uh, wanted Alvin and Julie to know he's been praying for them with Nakia in the hospital. But he, he said, Pastor, he said, I want you to know I'm praying that today someone would get saved at the Gateway Church. And, you know, we, we give an opportunity every week. I mean, that's one of the, the passions of our heart. But, you know, sometimes we do it just because that's what we do. But it just increased the intensity in my heart to give that opportunity. We have three, four individuals this morning that kind of raised their hands, saying, that's, that's, I'm in that circumstance. I just want to pray for them. Let's take a moment, church, and, and just believe that as they would pray with us, that God would turn their hearts and he would clean up their hearts this morning. We know that God's word says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we want to do that. For those that raised your hand, and I want to encourage everyone to participate together. If you believe the words of this simple miracle prayer, I believe God will come in and clean your heart up. Repeat these words after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please come into my heart. Forgive me for my sin. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again, providing a way for me to be saved. Thank you, Jesus, for your salvation. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, that's awesome. It's awesome. And for those that raise their hand, I want to uh, just, I've got a gift for you after service um, that I want to give you. It's, it's called The New Life, Starting Something Wonderful. It's a little book, the next 26 days of your life. For those, and there's been just dozens of people that have gone through this, um, if you take the next 26 days of your life and take five to 10 minutes, there's a discipline that will be seen it's a great little tool. We're gonna, we'll give this to you as a gift, and I want to make sure that we make that happen. But I want everyone to stand this morning, and I want us to kind of grab those two individuals that we maybe have identified in our lives. The unbeliever, for one, and then the person that there's a little strain in our relationship. And I want us to spend a moment before we leave praying, asking God, for us to understand his word for us, to be obedient, to be humble, to that letting humility lead the way to a right relationship, to see that obedience, the compassion for that person, to love them, that compassion in the pit of our stomach, to be a blessing for that person. On either side, the unbeliever and the person where there's a broken, strained, shattered relationship. And I want us to ask God for help to be confident that as we do those things, that he will help us. And then the third thing is that we would be ready. I'm going to ask that you'd move from your seats if you, if you feel comfortable.
you come and spend a moment praying, asking God as we just worship and just spend a moment saying, God, help me to make a difference in these two individuals' lives and let it start right here inside of me. Amen? Amen.